This week, we have part two of the interview with bi-activist Robin Oaks. And as we wrap up Podcast Appreciation Month, we talk about the podcasts we listen to. All this and more on The Leftscape! Hi, this is Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. Welcome, welcome. And hey, I'm Robin Renee. Uh, We are in the last week of Podcast Appreciation Month. And (laughs) I am, uh, so we we appreciate ourselves and we appreciate (laughs) lots of podcasts. We're going to talk a a little bit about that uh, later on in the show. And uh, today is also National Women's Health and Fitness Day. Tomorrow, uh, September 26th, is National Shamu the Whale Day, and it commemorates the first surviving Shamu born in captivity on uh, September 26, 1985. And so that's um, that's a complicated day to celebrate. Yeah, Mm. I have so many mixed feelings about Shamu, the whole thing. It's, It's apparently... Uh, SeaWorld trademarked Shamu. I mean, the original Shamu died in 1971. And so I guess they just name all the other orcas that they have performing uh, Shamu. And the whole fact that they have to commemorate a surviving orca that's born in captivity is kind of creepy. It's like, why? I I hate that they're in captivity. (laughs) It's just, I wish they wouldn't be. Yeah. They're they're magnificent animals. Yes, yes. Is there any kind of upside well, to this? I don't know. Yeah, that children get to see whales <laughs> up close and in person, and then fall in love with whales, and then go off to save the whales and <laughs> break them out of their captivity. I I guess. I mean, if you're if you're a seal, you probably don't like killer whales very much because then you're kind of food for them, food. or a penguin. <laughs> They don't, they don't like them, but, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's a SeaWorld thing, and I kind of, I don't know, I, I have mixed feelings about keeping intelligent mammals locked up like that. You know, it's yeah. still, you're, I'm going off on a tangent, <laughs> though, of SeaWorld and thinking about how SeaWorld didn't want to pay for the, the worker who got killed by a killer whale mm. and uh Kavanaugh was the one who said that was okay oh great okay <laughs> <laughs> let's well, cancel this this celebration I think yeah. I think forget I said that <laughs> oh my god so actually here's a day I like better September 28th is drink beer day yeah so yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, there, I guess that's another Kavanaugh reference. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, September 28th is also Save Your Photos Day, um, which is hey. part of Save, Save Your Photos Month. So, you know, it's, it's about digitizing your old photos and backing up things. Um, 
so we don't lose them because a lot of things are yes. ephemeral these days. You know, you know, when I was reading that on there, I was thinking it was save your photos of you drinking beer. <laughs> oh, that could be entertaining as well. <laughs> it's also on the 28th National Public Lands Day, which is the last Saturday of September. And uh, a lot of parks will be free on that day. So it's, you know, a day to go check out nature. You can do some volunteering, uh, repairing trails and things like that. Um, is a very cool thing yeah. to do on the 28th. And on September 30th is National Love People Day. I'm for that. Yeah. I'm good yeah. with that day. That should be every day. <laughs> I have to get, yeah, some people need to be reminded. <laughs> uh, to love people, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I can, I can, uh, this is, I guess it's especially important for retail workers and retail customers. Oh, hmm. I have a lot of friends that work in retail and and after hearing their stories of certain customers coming in with privilege out ridiculous amounts of privilege um, that will yell at them because they don't have the right color rocks on the shelves that they want oh. or something like, you know, they, they, they work in various stores and, and hey. they get they I get can to. <laughs> I can tell you about the guy who called me up on the phone in the office, the the box office at the theater where I work, and started yelling and screaming at me because there's so much traffic in New Jersey, he was going to be late to the show. Like it was my fault. That oh, he, my God. He, he was going from Brooklyn to New Brunswick. and You couldn't, he, you couldn't just hang up on him? <laughs> And say you no, drive the I, call dropped. Sorry, they, they listen to us talking to the oh. customers. You can't say I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> you're going through a tunnel. Yes, you're going through a tunnel. And then hang up. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Uh, yeah, so they, have... need, they need oh. to love people too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have birthdays. Speaking of loving people, that's how we get the birthdays. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, today's uh, special day, we wish happy birthday to Donald Glover, who is also known as Childish Gambino. My and daughter's favorite yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Childish Gambino or Donald Glover? Yes. Well, <laughs> you know. I think it's interesting when people talk about them as two different people. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Will Smith. Happy birthday, Will Smith. Happy oh. birthday, Mark Hamill. Yay. Yay. Happy birthday, Barbara Walters. Um, and also, I had to add in here, Ronnie Barker from the two Ronnies, because I, I love, I don't know if he's still with us, but I always love watching those old videos of that British uh, comedy pair who were both named Ronnie. They did not the news, right? That was one of their shows? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I used to watch yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, and so then tomorrow will be Olivia Newton-John's birthday. Happy birthday, Olivia. And happy birthday to Serena Williams. Yep. On the 28th is Bridget Bardot's birthday. So happy birthday to her. And on the 29th is Halsey's birthday. Mm -hmm. Halsey? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. She's Tell me who that is. a very cool singer. Oh, yep. good, good. Yep, yep. Okay, and on the 30th, we will say happy birthday to Eli Weissel, although he's not with us anymore. 
and um, T-Pain. And then on the October 1st is happy birthday to Jimmy Carter. Happy birthday. Yeah. He's yeah. still with us. Absolutely. What's going on in the news? So in the news, um, things are coming up. Uh, for example, on October 8th, the Supreme Court is going to hear oral arguments about uh, some very significant LGBTQ issues. Uh, it, it's basically they're they're hearing arguments. They're not going to make the decision on the 8th. It'll probably take a few more months for that to happen. Usually, you know, they hear the arguments and then they go off and figure out how they're going to uh, respond to that. Um, and it it's basically they're trying to the cases are dealing with whether Title VII protections of the 1964 Civil Rights Act will apply to uh, gender, sexual orientation and gender identity um, because the wording of the act, quote, prohibits employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. And they're, they're the, now they're trying to decide whether the word sex covers sexual orientation and gender identity rather than just what chromosomes you have uh, in your DNA. Mm. And it's a very important, it's a very important decision. Um, and it's troubling because of the way the court is stacked right now. This uh, is uh, Supreme Court? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they they got the court stacked the way they wanted it, and now they're jumping. Yeah, well, it's you know these are these are cases that are involving you know people getting fired because they were gay, uh, for example. Um, yeah. Two cases someone, have been consolidated. Also, someone there's another case with someone who came out as trans. Yeah, on the job. Um, so yeah, that was the that's the that's the other the other case. Um, so. It, it it feels to me that, I mean, at least one argument would be that if you if you use the term on the basis of sex, you know, um, the people who are firing someone because of homophobia or transphobia or what have you are looking at them and deciding how they should behave based on their sex. So really, yeah. it is based on sex, you know. It is well because yeah, they're they're making a determination yeah. about someone's gender identity or their sexual what their sexuality should be because of their, you know, perceived sex. So I think that should be clear. Now, we obviously we don't have the court necessarily stacked in a way that's gonna 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 agree with that. But it's, it's so it's pretty scary. Well, this it's like also a, they're gonna also have to it's it's also going to depend on the arguments that are presented right. during on the October 8th oral arguments phase of the of the cases. So we're going to be keeping an we'll eye be we'll, watching this one. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happened um, during the week but prior to us recording this is uh there's uh, there were some there was some ice activity in te in Tennessee that that uh, ended up with the ice officer actually shooting at one of actually I think they shot the guy um, he did not get killed 
uh, and he was able to run off and apparently um, but it's like he didn't he didn't turn over his papers and he was coming back at them with where's your warrant because he knew you know he was doing what he was what he what people are saying to do about um, you know the unlawful searches that ICE can be performing and the ICE officer I guess just decided that I, I mean I don't understand why deadly force was even used in in uh, in this case like why are they pulling guns on people it's like this is, cowboys it's a misdemeanor yeah. what you know the the crimes that they're they're getting them for are misdemeanors they're not you know felonies they're not capital crimes they're you know and even if they were it's like why are you shooting at this guy you know um and that it's it's kind of it's horrific it's it's mm. it's turn you know the ISIS ISIS are Gestapo it's this is yeah. kind of where we are now yeah, yeah I, I saw another article um, from Newsweek, and I don't, I, I have to admit, I haven't fully digested this information yet, but ICE is building a state-of-the-art urban warfare training facility that yeah. will include hyper-realistic simulations of homes in Chicago and Arizona. Um, so I definitely want to learn more about this. It's, um, it's in a Newsweek article of, um, I don't see the date it came out, but last October week, October 8th? No. There, no. Oh, I'm no. looking at the wrong thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, that's a, yeah. That, that's, this is a thing. It's a it's thing. it's, it's terrifying. That yeah. that when I when I read that, I it, that's literally it's terrifying. And and really, these guys, you know, without it's basically they're Gestapo without the the armbands. Um, you know, they're busting into people's homes. They're taking people away. And and, and now re- they're. And now they're training to conduct urban warfare. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, and and what's going to go on with this hyper-realistic training device, uh, training facility, is it's going to desensitize the people to what would be a home, so that they'll just go on automatic pilot and won't even consider this is a little child or hiding. Unless that they're training them to not. I don't know. I mean, how it, you think I, you they're going to train them to be sensitive and <laughs> and caring? I would like that, but I'm not holding my breath. Mm-hmm. It's well, there'll be some kind of protocol, but I I I can't guess as to what that would be. You know, yeah, how to treat different types of people or things like that. Uh, I, from what I hear, just in my area, there are some ICE agents that just kind of hang around and look obvious in certain <laughs> neighborhoods. And they're not necessarily doing anything, but they're kind of getting people in a state of Panic. like hyper vigilance. Yeah, it seems mm. and that's a that's a whole other level of uh, that kind of activity, you know, where no one can know what to expect when and uh, everyone's on their guard all the time. And it's uh, pretty disturbing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh I wish I had good news for kids. <laughs> but for me, this past weekend has been really tough. Um, we lost two icons of, of music that mostly um, having their heydays in the 1980s. Eddie Money passed away on uh, Friday, last Friday. Yeah. And that was a bummer. I, I can't say that I'm, I've been a... 
huge Eddie Money fan, but he had a lot of really fun pop hits. And yeah, I, I liked his hits. Play, yeah, uh, on the Fourth of July. I, I always listened last to year. them. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, go, I didn't go out and buy them, but I did listen. Yeah, I liked him a lot, and, and that was a bummer. And so I'm glad I got to see him perform. Um, and and let, late last night, uh, I saw that Rico Kasich passed away uh, Sunday. Yeah. This yesterday. Uh, when we were recording this, it was yesterday afternoon, and um, that one has hit me. I, I, I don't, don't know who that really is. Can you yet. tell so me? The lead singer of The Cars. Um, the Cars, okay. <laughs> they were pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I was so busy in the 80s, I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I didn't listen to the radio for 10 years in the 80s, and I knew who they were, so it's like... <laughs> mm. And yeah. I have always me, they owned are... cars that have broken radios. That's okay. <laughs> Somehow that's a, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's a trend. Yeah, but um, I found them really. Um, they, they sort of bridged a, a gap. You know, they're a great pop song. He was a great pop songwriter, and also uh, ha had a sound that was really fresh for that time and sort of heralded in the new wave era in a lot of ways. What pop song did he write? Oh, God, You're All I've Got Tonight and um, Candio. And, I mean, you know, they had hmm. really four or five great albums, you know. Hmm. Um, Best Friends Girl is a song that I... Oh, that one I know. Yeah, okay. And okay. that's a song that I, I often have covered and I wasn't thinking of singing it at my show this weekend, but I think I, I, think I will do that. Um, oh, you're doing a show this weekend. Yes, yes, yes. So this will air after. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, right. It's like thanks the time. for everybody who came. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so this is a hard one for me because he really is sort of um, an icon of the music I love most. You know, so it's weird. Yeah. But we love you and thank you for so much music so much art indeed yeah. it is podcast appreciation month it's finishing up and we thought it would be a good time to spread the love uh, with all our listeners and hope that you can help spread the love for us too by giving us a review on uh, apple podcasts or uh, Facebook or wherever you get your podcast from. Let people know that you like us. Give us a nice um, score. and Five stars. Yeah, five stars would be <laughs> great if you can do that, but we're, we're not going to twist your arm. We, yes, we, we are. Okay. <laughs> I'm Kevin Patterson of Poly Role Models. And I'm Alana Phelan, the polyamorous librarian. Together we write the For Hire novels, and you are listening to The Leftscape. The Shape of Progressive Conversation. It is still by Visibility Month in September. And last week we had a great conversation that we shared with uh, Robin Oaks, she, wonderful speaker, teacher, writer, and activist. And coming up next, we've got the second half of that conversation. It's great talking with her. And we're really looking forward to sharing the rest of the words she had to say. When bisexual people and some I've heard this said say oh everyone should just call themselves bisexual because 
then we can all be neatly under one umbrella. That's not productive. That's right. It. I agree. And yeah. It doesn't work. People, and no matter, yeah, just no, just no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if, and pansexual people who say, oh, bisexual is a terrible word. Everyone should call themselves pansexual. I would say no, like, no, like you, you don't get to decide that you are not the boss of me and I am not the boss of you. And my, my encouragement to people who, who feel passionately about their label is love your label, embrace it, you know, support it, um, explain it when you want to explain it. But let's take all that energy that sometimes gets put into the bisexual versus pansexual debates. What mm -hmm. if we took all that energy, because we do have a lot of energy, what if we, we do. took all that amazing energy and <laughs> I, put it in? <laughs> yeah. And my hope was to sort of find a way to not have that debate anymore. And that's really part of it. You know, exactly. Why I'm asking. Yeah. Exactly. So my, my, my encouragement to people would be take all that energy that you have and let's put it into working together to make space for people with non-binary sexualities. Like what if we did that? What if we worked together to hold space for all of us and said, oh, you use that word? Yay, you. You know, yay! <laughs> you use that word, yay! You because there's lots of also also bi and pan aren't the only two words either. You know, there's omnisexual and multisexual and just sexual and there's queer and there's fluid and there's heteroflexible yeah. and homoflexible and straight-ish and gay-ish and and I mean there are so many labels. So I mm. feel like. I my my commitment is is to support every single person in whatever label works for them and to work to be committed to work with all of us who are willing to do this to hold that space because there are a lot of people saying there is no such thing as non-binary space. Uh, we that's have to work. That's the yeah. thing we have to work about. <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. You yeah. Know. So yeah. Yeah, and I love the thing I love about all of those words is that they give a space for opening up a conversation, you know, because just as you say, mm -hmm. just using the word bisexual doesn't give a full picture at all about who you are as an individual. And then, you know, and then talking to someone and saying, oh, that's the word to use. Like, oh, I would love to hear more about that. And yes. then you get to know more about what that person means and what they, who they love and how they love and all those things as much as they want to share. And it, it, full, it fills out the it fills out the 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 picture. I mean, I really also really like the terms biromantic, yep, heterosexable, heterosexable. That's a new word. <laughs> Why not? Throw it, on, throw it on the pile. Right, exactly. But I mean, because you get to understand more about what someone means. You know, unfortunately, I've run into situations where someone said they're bisexual, and then I find myself really into a woman, for example, and then she's like, oh, wait, what I meant was I kind of have some feelings, but it's not basically, you know, right. something like that. And then getting to the more learning more about what she actually meant sooner <sighs> would be better. <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. So so if someone's not bi-romantic or homo-romantic or whatever, that, then that's that's good information. <laughs> you are so smart. I like talking to you. <laughs> so, Likewise. So here's something else I say sometimes in my programs, which is the idea that these labels that we use are not the full story. They're just, I like to think of them as name tags that we choose to put on ourselves, but mm. they're the doorway to the information. They are not the information. And that if you really want to understand 
some anybody. Um, if somebody tells you they identify as bisexual or pansexual or any other any other word, the smart next thing to do is to first of all, I think, thank people for sharing that information because you know we are still part of a culture where it is scary mm-hmm. and sometimes dangerous to share that information. So if somebody tells me how they identify, I try to first thank them for trusting me enough to share that with me or to just thank them, period, for sharing it with me. And then I try to remember to say, thank you for telling me that you identify as bisexual. Would you be willing to tell me more about what that means to you? That's a great way to really open up a conversation. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Um, Earlier, you mentioned the Recognize book, The Voices of Bisexual Men. And I really, really love that book. It, I, I feel like it's, um, you know, it's just something that we need to see a lot more of and just hear all the different voices and, and to understand that bi men do in fact exist. Yes, they <laughs> um, do. And um, it's a weird place where men are seen as a minority in a sense, and, or at least the less accepted counterpart of of all of us in a lot of ways and i mean i i think that comes from um you know kind of misogyny or homophobia Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot in there but i would just love to hear you speak a little bit more about how you came to be on that project and what you feel is important about it yeah well actually let me let me jump back first to what you just said because i think you said something really important and i want to emphasize it which is the idea that I, i believe that some of the biphobia pushed against bisexual men is in fact the intersection of sexism Mm. and and homophobia like the idea that um the the fact that two women together isn't perceived as very threatening Mm -hmm. is partly because two women are not seen as particularly powerful Mm -hmm. and some people think that there's no real relationship if there isn't a penis involved right (laughs) you know, because there's no power. And so I, I really believe that people don't take relationships with women seriously. Historically, um, women, relationships between female-bodied people has have been mostly seen by the public as in, in the form of male porn, right. porn for men, which is, you know, two women having a threesome for a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's that's really the kind of when most people think of bisexual, they think of, oh, two girls being willing to um, have a threesome for their boyfriend or one of, you know, whatever, bringing in a third, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. that's, and that's not seen as serious or dangerous because it's, it's still about men. But when two men get together without a woman involved, that's seen as dangerous mm-hmm. because the idea that you know, that, that's, that's threatening. That really feels like it's threatening the power structures and it's threatening our cultural norms. Um, so the Bisexual Men's Anthology, that came about. So in my travels around the country and around the world, um, I usually put in a good plug for Bi Women Quarterly because, because of course, it makes sense. And yep. Oftentimes, after I mention that Bi Women Quarterly is available and that it's free and that we offer, you know, free electronic subscriptions to anyone who would like one and all this, um, it was really common and still happens for some man to come up to me after the program and say, "That's really great that you have a Bi Women's publication. Um, do you happen to know if there's any 
equivalent resource for men. And I've always had to say, I wish there were, there isn't right now. And, and then I want to say, maybe you should start one, but I (laughs) don't want to put them on the spot. But, But after this happened for years, I finally one day just thought, what if I do, by Women Quarterly is, as as its title suggests, quarterly. I thought, what if I just do a fifth issue in the coming year and just do a men's issue? And and I could put it up on the web, you know, in PDF form. And that way, when people ask me that question, I could say, well, there isn't, but there's this. There's nothing ongoing, but there is this. So at least there'd be a this to point them to. Mm-hmm. Just a and, starting point of some type or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I put a call for writing up on the web, on the internets, and it was actually kind of interesting. So what happened is within 24 hours, I got messages from two different bi-male activists who said, it's really great that you're doing this, but I'm uncomfortable with the idea of you doing a thing about bi-men without bi-men. And Hmm. to which I responded, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, would you be interested in co-editing with me? <laughs> and the first uh, man who answered um, said, oh, uh, 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 busy. <laughs> I'm really busy. Like, I'd love to, but I'm really busy. And I said, okay, thanks. And then the second by man who responded was Dr. Harukati, who, when I put the question back at him, he said, yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> and so we revised the call for writing to make it ours, not just mine. And because we are very different people. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the strength of our collaboration. And so we put out the call for writing revised. And what ended up happening was we got so many good responses that sitting down and looking at them, we thought, wow, this isn't a 24 page one-time thing this looks like we have the good start to a book and so we revised the call for writing again (laughs) and we sent it back out and we um we got back even more really great great things from people and then we um sat down and we reviewed what we had gotten and not just for what we wanted to include and what we didn't, but also whose voices were present and whose voices were missing. Right. And so we, it was really important. So we looked very specifically, like one of the priorities was age range. At the point when we did this review, I think we had one man who was over 70 or over 60 or 70. And, and um, we thought, okay, there's a gap. We were looking always for more POC voices always. Um, we were looking to make sure we had good representation of um, trans and non-binary men. We were looking for, um, and then we also we also did a review f- geographical representation, and we also did a review of who are the kind of movers and shakers in the field right now. Like who are the prominent bi male voices, and who of them haven't written yet and we we basically divided up the list and went after them <laughs> and said, hey, would you, you know, your voice, this book would be a better book if your voice is present in it because you're such an important and pivotal figure. Would you be willing to write? And 
it it was actually really amazing because most of them did. Like mm. we got, and so we ended up with a book where we do have some of the main, you know, most most prominent voices in the field where we have a huge age range. It went from 20 to 77. And we had six men who were over 70, who were 70 or older, not just one. Because oftentimes great. when you have a range of like 20 to 77, it's everyone's 20s and 30s. And then you have one person who's that's, 77. That's so good, 70-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we were really trying hard to like spread out the age the age, the age distribution. And we did that. And we also, um, I think 30% of the men in the anthology are identified as men of color and 20% as trans or non-binary. And we ended up with, I think, 77 different contributors to the anthology that we, that we selected. And we ended up being able to find out a lot about these authors, the way we did it, which was really cool. And the reason I'm able to throw out these statistics is after we finished the anthology, not before, we sent every single one of them a link to a survey monkey. And we said, we asked them, I think, 20 different demographic questions, your age, you know, your sexual orientation, label, parentheses, ask labels, label or labels, um, your religious or spiritual background, if um, identification, if any, um, where do you live, what country you live in, um, your racial or ethnic identity, um, et cetera, et cetera. We asked them all these different questions, but they not basically answered anonymously in this survey. And then we were able to take the spreadsheet and say, hey, so this is the age range. And this is the percentage that said this. And here are some of the various um, spiritual or religious identities that people had. We didn't quantify those, but we just listed them. And there were a lot. It was a very long paragraph because there was a lot of diversity in terms of people's spiritual practices. And so, but we were actually able to do that, which was very, very cool and and done in a way that didn't didn't um, force people to um, put that into their essay or into their bio. Right, right. And, and that's it, a really, oh God, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, and I was just saying that is a really um, wonderful thing to keep in mind, seeking diversity without really without tokenizing people you know i mean just sort of like opening up and and making sure you're casting a wide net and and inviting without sort of um you know creating stigma or something but i think i think you got a really wonderful result out of that and it's really great to see that reflected in the numbers that you that you got back after the fact yeah you know? and, and I'm, I'm very proud of that book recognize the voices of bisexual men now i also do that every time i do an issue of Women quarterly mm. I do the same thing. So uh, most things come in at the very last minute. <laughs> yes, I, I have a feeling. Yeah. I know that because I've sent you things that's literally the very last minute. <laughs> yes, and sometimes a little bit after the last minute. But I do ask people to, um, if they can, like give me an indication that they're intending to write. And so I usually have a spreadsheet with, you know, at least some of what's what I can expect. And what I try to do there as well is I look to see, are there, I, I, I'm committed. I want, I want there to be racial diversity in every issue. I want there to be trans and or non-binary voices in every single issue. I wanna see um, age and age spread in every issue. Mm -hmm. And so I look at who has told me they were gonna write and I once, usually it actually works out now because I think the publication is fabulous enough now that people don't feel marginalized or tokenized when they write for us. Mm -hmm. um, but once in a while, once in a while, I'll, I'll realize, oh, wait, there are no trans voices in this so far. 
and I will reach out to some particular folks who are directly related to the theme of that issue and I'll say, hey, hey, hi, <laughs> hello, <laughs> would you please, you know, and so often sometimes I will do that, but I used to have to do that a lot and now people are showing up without needing to be begged. And I, I think that people actually trust the publication and feel that it's, it is their publication. Yes. People with a wide variety of different identities. And I'm really excited about that. Very, very good. Huh. So I want to, I, I love talking to you. I could talk for another hour, but I want to um, <laughs> sort of wrap up a little bit and just ask you um, a couple of things. Like uh, my first question is what, what do you think is most important for people to um, to know about bi plus people today and how can they be allies if they don't happen to identify that way? And then at the end, I just want to, you know, if you just want to give us some uh, info about what you're up to or things that you want to uh, let okay. people know about coming up. Well, I yeah. think that one of the things that I would want people to know, and this is one thing that I, I often show in my presentations, is that there are a lot of us. There are a lot of us and that there are more and more as you go down through um, generational cohorts. Like if you look at people who are, you know, my age and older, the percentage is, is relatively small. But if you look at people who are in high school right now, the percentage is huge. The most recent um, Center for Disease Control, they do an annual youth study, mm -hmm. um, national youth study. And this last study, 8% of the youth surveyed self-identified as bi, 2.4% um, as lesbian or gay. So this is a big identity. For younger folks, it's about three to one. Um, when you go overall among people of all ages, it's about half of all not straight people. Um, that's a lot of people. And it's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, but because we think we we identify people based on, on their partner or what we know about their previous partners. So if you have someone who is in a long-term relationship with one person of one particular gender, almost everybody will just assume that that person is gay or straight, depending on who their partner is. But I think that's one thing I would just want people to know is you do not know someone's sexuality based on their partner. You really don't. Because again, identity is is something that lives inside of us and is not visible on the surface. Um, so just, I would say to people, please don't assume people's sexual orientation and please don't assume that just because someone's been, like I've been with my wife now, we're in season 23 of our rom-com. And, <laughs> and that's great. You know, we've been together for 23 years, but that makes me no less bisexual because right. my bisexuality is my understanding of myself. Um, so that's what I would ask people, try not to assume, um, or when you do assume, try to correct that assumption as soon as you realize you're making one. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I would also just ask people who want to be supportive of us just to use the word, say our name, like use the word bisexual, say it and say it and say it, use inclusive language, um, say affirming things, um, talk about all LGBTQ plus people with with people who are not very familiar with our experience. You know, like if you are familiar, then talk, tell our stories, share resources, tell people about resources. Um, never assume that the person you're talking to isn't bisexual. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> they could be, you know, and yeah, so just, just generally, I think 
I, and also signal boost, like signal boost and share. Like if you're listening to this podcast, people could share it with their friends. They could post it on their, on their social media pages. They could, if there's someone, you know, who you're pretty sure identifies as bi or who has told you they identify as bi or pan or something, send them the link to it. Like just, I think that one of the challenges for all um, bi advocacy work by plus advocacy work is that we don't have big budgets. We don't have marketing budgets. So everything we do is happening at the grassroots, which means that word of mouth is our, that that's our superpower. Like, so use that. Like I would say to people, use your word of mouth, share anything you see that is helpful, share it, share it widely, you know, share it with anyone you can think of, um, support, organizations support the bi plus advocacy organizations um, if you go to your public library ask them see what buy books they have and if they don't have very many there are actually a lot of good books out there see if you could get them to order those books like there's lots of things that people can do to support us yes. tell people about robin renee's amazing podcast uh-huh. <laughs> thank you yeah so yeah wendy and mary and i have been really enjoying doing this and it's great to um it's great to have you as a voice on here we really appreciate it um so any last um, oh yeah thing what are you doing what are you up to so i have been traveling around i'm doing i'm still doing by women quarterly i'm still editing that and that's available at bywomenboston.org for free we offer free um, digital subscriptions to anyone of any gender and any um, sexual orientation who is interested in reading it and if you're not by reading it will not turn you by. <laughs> and if you're not a woman, reading it will not turn you into a woman. But what it really is, is it's the voice of women and also non-binary folks who are comfortable enough under that umbrella. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's and that, that's, that's important to me too, right? Like, so it's a voice of women and non-binary folks comfortable under that umbrella who identify with non-binary sexualities as bisexual, pansexual, fluid, queer, it doesn't matter. Um, basically all of our voices and, and I want us all to be in there together and we have poetry and essays and short essays and short fiction and artwork um, all kinds of just amazing amazing um, things in that in that publication so that's one thing I would say I'm doing also just I'm traveling all over the place speaking and I'm currently booking for November and beyond but my calendar is up on my website at robinoaks.com and i better spell my name <laughs> r-o-b-y-n-o-c-h-s.com um my speaking calendar's up there and i'm going all over the place it's actually kind of exciting i'm going um this coming week i'll be in connecticut and rhode island the week after i'll be in maryland and wisconsin the week after i'll be in arkansas and maine that's gonna nice. be fun traveling between those two places. I was going to um, say, yeah, that's uh, quite a jump. <laughs> yep. The week after, I believe, is South Carolina and Minnesota. And then the week after that is Texas and D.C. And then the week after, I think I have a week and a half in Kentucky. And then oh. to Boston. So that's what my life looks like these days. And it's a lot of work and a lot of fun. And I get to meet amazing um, people in the places where I speak who are doing um, advocacy work in their communities. And I think, I really do believe I have one of the best jobs in the world. It sounds amazing. And I'm just really um, 
just so happy you're out there doing this work for so many years. We really appreciate it. Thank so. you. And I appreciate everything that you do. Thank because you. Because you are absolutely one of the big movers and shakers in our community. You're making a big difference. I appreciate it. <laughs> I sometimes don't feel that way. And, and it's good to it's good to be reminded. And, and um, I just want to do my best and get your voice out there, too. So I thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Robin to Robin, signing off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash robinreneefan. Tweet at me at spiritrocksexy. And follow me on Instagram at robinreneemusic. I would love to hear from you. It's Podcast Appreciation Month, and we thought we'd talk a little bit about the podcasts that we like to listen to. And um, Robin, you listen to podcasts, don't you? I listen to tons of podcasts. It's mostly what I listen to these days. Yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of words. And it's good. It's good. Um, and, you know, a lot of political podcasts. I, I still am a huge fan of Muller, She Wrote. And their daily show that they have now called um, The Daily Beans. So I listen to that really faithfully, I would say. And a lot of other things, some of the NPR podcasts and uh, different different things. Radio Lab, I like a lot. But I do need a break <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so when I get tired of like the newsiness of everything, I listen to Dumb People Town. <laughs> Dumb People Town? Yeah. That's the name of the podcast? It's called oh, you Dumb People explain Town. explain that one to me. Yeah. Sure, I will. Dumb People Town is, um, it's hilarious. It's it's three comedians. I think it's, yeah, usually three guys. Daniel Van Kirk, Randy Sklar, and Jason Sklar. And they have guests who come in and stuff like that. But basically the idea is they talk about, or somebody presents a really dumb story in the news that often happens in florida it doesn't always happen in florida. <laughs> <laughs> like this complete in insane thing and they sort of break it down and try to figure out what the hell this person could have been thinking <laughs> oh i gotta like check the this darwin out. award type it's kind of like darwin awards although no they don't try to do ones that where people seriously get hurt but you know things things go awry in, <laughs> in these stories and you know it's very funny and, and irreverent and um they sometimes they try to do a guessing game like guess who guess the age of the person or something like that <laughs> like after you hear like the the, the story so mm -hmm. it's it's definitely comic relief I, I often listen to it after i've had just had like too much of too much hard news and you're like okay i just need to laugh about yeah. something <laughs> and it's a little bit you know it's laughing at people's expense but mm -hmm. i in a way i think it's i don't know it's a bit of a relief to let your proverbial hair down from all of the all of the you know we all we all try to do our best in life all the time mm -hmm. and sometimes it's 
okay. It feels okay to be a little bit of an asshole sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bit of, it's, it's some comic relief. I don't know, but it's fun. Yeah. yeah it's a fun podcast. Well, you bring up something that's interesting that I wanted to ask about is though, when do you listen to podcasts and why do you listen to podcasts? Sounds like you've got one for news. That's one idea of, I mean, not one podcast, but one of your reasons for listening is news. And the other one is chilling out. Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like I'm not that interested in television or film in the ways that other people are, I think. So like you just sit... I'm feeling called out now. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm just saying I'm, that we I'm have different teasing. interests. I'm I know. Saying... I, I will plug into... You see, I'm not... I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because when I would be listening to something, I would prefer it to be music. So the people talking don't distract me from what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're doing your art or something? Well, art... Yeah, art I could actually listen to people talking, possibly. But like if I'm writing... I can't oh, listen yeah, to people you talking. Can. You can. You know, I could listen words. to music. Um, yeah. Or if I'm sewing or something, you know, um, I don't want to hear something heavy that's going to distract me. I'll put on some, usually some music. Um, right. I listen to a lot of ambient music for that, those kinds of times. Yeah. Actually. So, Robin, yeah. when do you listen to podcasts? Uh, morning, driving. Ah, driving. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely driving. Yeah, and yeah. and often in the morning, I want to sort of catch up on things. Uh, the Daily Beans are good for that because they're, you know, they actually publish it for patrons the night before, but, but mm-hmm. I don't listen to it till, till early morning anyway. I'm just impressed that, that they're doing that every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's something to aspire to. Well, they also <laughs> have a staff. Do they? Yeah. Um, really? Yeah, it's yeah. growing. It's a growing enterprise. So, yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. good to see. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't want to do daily podcasts here until we have staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, but, I think uh, I mentioned earlier in the episode that I for the past 20 years I have not owned a car that had a working radio. So, <laughs> whenever I'm driving any distance, I'm listening to something and usually it's podcasts. Uh, because I just don't have that much music available to me. Um, but uh, podcasts, also, I take the train a lot. I, I drive less and less. Uh, I'm trying to save, save the planet, you know. So I take the train a lot. And on the train, if I'm reading a book or a paper or something, I get so sucked into it that I forget where I am. And I miss my stop. I just miss my stop. But if I'm listening to podcasts, I can look out the window and actually see where I am and read the signs going past so that I don't miss my stop. But I have a lot of different podcasts I like to listen to. Uh, Hysterium. Is that what it's called? Hysteria is a podcast on my list. And What's that about? Uh, I haven't listened to it in a while. It's about news. <laughs> it's about okay. news. And uh, invisibility, invisibilia, uh, invisibilia. Yeah, I love sorry. that. Sorry, <laughs> I, I don't have my glasses on. Yeah. And what's that one about? Uh, it's it's hard to pin down. It's about uh, a different thing every time, so it's hard to pin down. But it's an NPR one, and uh, it's kind of it's like about unseen forces, right? Things yeah. That, things that affect us that are not visible and obvious. You know. Okay. So yeah. it can span a lot of different things. It's interesting. Yeah. But it's That's always cool. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, for news, I'm listening to Pod Save America. 
and uh, love it or leave it. Lisa, love it or leave it is funny, so um, I get his sense of humor. Uh, I tried to listen to Muller, she wrote. It just doesn't come up on my thing as well. Hmm. Um, I listen to podcasts, like I said, when I'm when I'm commuting. But like you said, uh, Wendy, if I'm doing something else, like I'm in the house, I like to listen to music because if I listen to something speaking, it distracts me. Mm. But um, also, if I try not to do something and just listen to a podcast, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> so then that's another reason why I listen to podcasts is if I, I need to fall asleep. I wake up in the middle of the night and I just can't go to sleep again. I'll put a podcast on, particularly one that I've already listened to. Mm-hmm. And um, for that, um, there's one called um, Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, I was yeah. going to I was going to bring that up that mm-hmm. that's a more of a drama, like an audio drama podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's fiction. So it's it's really interesting and fun, but it's also very soothing to listen to and usually puts me to sleep. So, <laughs> yeah, the um, the country has been invaded uh, in New Mexico is taken over by aliens, but in it. History mm. chicks. I like to listen to them too. I find out about women's history. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, I used to listen to the Daily, which is the um, New York Times podcast, mm. too. And a couple of NPRs, Up First and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Mm. Cool. You like the sort of more comedic ones. That's neat. Or yeah. Okay, yeah. That's I need the... cheering up a lot. Right, right. Yeah, I so um, there's a podcast that I saw that's coming out that I'm excited to check out called Two By Guys. So oh, mm-hmm. that will be fun to hear what they have to say. Um, oh, so. I used to listen to Two Dope Queens, too. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember you mentioning that before. And I kind of listen, I listen to with, friend, with Friends Like These, and it, it's a challenge for me. I, I, yeah. I like the topics. And I think the topics are challenging. Um, this is a podcast by Anna Marie Cox, and she talks about like the, the conversations. Uh, I forget what, what her tagline is, but it's basically um, talking about the places where we disagree without like really having a bad division with the person. And that is not her tagline. It's much more succinct. <laughs> but it's like, you know, being able to have those hard conversations. She talks a lot about white privilege and um she has a guest a recurring guest rick wilson who is was a republican operative who wound up writing the book um everything trump touches dies (laughs) so you know uh but he still has a conservative perspective so they have a lot of like interesting interplay and that kind of stuff um so it's it's cool it's good but i'm i'm challenged by her her um there's a religiosity like she's a christian there's nothing wrong with being a christian and she's and she struggles with how much she presents it and how how she presents it too but that's a factor in her conversation and her her um, worldview her worldview and Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting the way she looks at privilege i find like there's a there's a line between really examining it and somehow arriving at the idea that anybody white is bad and suspect or less or less important to 
I don't know. There's something. A generalization somehow? Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's a generalization. But I think, I think there's, a, there's a really important piece about getting to those issues. And there's a way that you can take it to a point where I don't know that it remains productive. Mm-hmm. And she walks a line with that. And it's in, I mean, I'm glad to listen to everything that she has to say. And it helps me think about things I haven't thought about and, and thinking thinks about what, what we can, how, how we can keep addressing those, those issues because it's hugely important, you know, mm. right now. Mm-hmm. But there are parts of her personality that are hard for me to, <laughs> yeah. to manage. And, and I think she's aware of it too. She's talked about that too. She talks about being in recovery quite a bit, which also affects her way of seeing and stuff but but she asks a lot of good questions and the, and mm-hmm. there are good conversations that happen you know mm-hmm. so but so that's an interesting one that I, I try to listen to sometimes I don't make it through it but I I usually do <laughs> I usually do well speaking of podcasts that are not necessarily the news um one that I started watching uh watching listening to at the very beginning when I started listening to podcasts so 10 years ago or something uh, was called The Bowery Boys and it's a history podcast or it's the history of New York. I'm glad and, you brought that one up because I yeah. remember you talking about it on our old podcast. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> and it's just, it's so much fun if you're somebody who goes to New York and you're walking around to realize that you're walking in the steps that some famous person died or uh there used to be a speakeasy where so-and-so got drunk right under this sidewalk (laughs) it's it's, uh it's really um it's fun i learned so much i just learned so much so uh, the bowery boys is one i highly recommend but that's it's all about new york and it's all about little things in new york like when the pirates came to new york and there's red hook and what kind of pirates they were or um, how New York uh, Fashion Week came to be, all kinds of things like that. And it's made me think that somebody should do something like that in Philadelphia. So I'm throwing that out there for people who are in that area. I want to hear stories about Philadelphia and and walk around and find out um, the small stories of what happened in various neighborhoods and things like that. That would be fun. I'm going to search for that. Actually, I know I know some people who document really cool things in Philadelphia f- in photographs, mm-hmm. but I'm not aware of any podcasts like that yet. I um, think I think it it fun. would be fun. And and if anybody knows of a of a podcast where somebody's doing this in another city like Chicago or L.A., it would be interesting to hear. 